evening. Welcome back to From the Backseat Football Podcast. As ever, we have a thrilling round of Premier League action to review. Man United building their win over Newcastle for battling draw at the bridge. Are they getting good? Liverpool take two steps back at Forest. Haaland and KDB ensure there is still no first win for the Zerbia Etihad. Are Arsenal running out of steam ahead of the World Cup break? And is our favourite bomb villain about to light it up at Villa Park? All that and more in today's podcast. As always, I'm joined by Jack, my co-host. How are you, wonderful Jack? I'm very good, thank you. I liked your summary. Not sure about the wonderful Jack part. That was weird. But yeah, that was a weird little ad lib that. I don't know yeah. why I slipped that in, but I that's, wanted to give you some praise. That's a bit strange, but I'll, I'll take it. I'm a bit uncomfortable now, to be honest. What's your number, bro? <laughs> but we move. But yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Uh, a tumultuous week in the UK, as always. I bet you can't wait to come back. I bet yeah. you're. If there's anything to come back, back to. It's just going to be uh, piles of smoke from the way it's going, mate. And uh, stupid amounts of lines at the food bank. But this is Tory Britain. This is Brexit Britain. This is what we voted for and asked for. Yes. And now we don't even get to vote anymore. So it's nice. No, no, no. Someone does that for us, mate. It's just 4D chess out here. So all good. But luckily, we have all this amazing football to distract ourselves and bury our heads in the sand so we don't have to think about politics for another couple of days. Um... On a personal note, it's been a disappointing weekend for me and Jack. I'm just going to put it out there. It but indeed. we are going to come in with the same enthusiasm as always yeah. for all these other games. Because uh, apart from our two teams, it was a it was a really fun weekend, wasn't it? It was a, it was a really good weekend, especially after a midweek where there was just binary score lines of one zero zero one one zero. This <laughs> the opposite. This was just full of goals, full of controversy. Ten full games, so it's an absolute whopper of an episode. No, no. Last minute equalisers, VAR controversy, more dubious penalty claims. What can you ask for, eh? Oh, please, at its finest. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get this show on the road. What have we got first? Chelsea won, Manchester United won at the bridge. What a game, eh? What a game. Yeah, as uh, many people have said, including on Match of the Day, this was the most drawn fixture in the Prem, so of course it ended up in a draw. To be honest... Mm. It was actually not... It, do you know what this was, right? This was like a tactical battle where for for those who are inclined to enjoy tactics and formations and tweaks and all those kind of things, it was nice. But as a general match, it was it was a bit boring for long periods. Up until like sort of the last 10 minutes, it was a little bit dull. Um, but it mm. was because there was a lot of tactical changes and tweaks going on. Um, it was a game of chess between Potter um, and Eric Ten Hag. And I think Man United probably had the better of them initially. Um Chelsea then kind of switched it out at the break, changed to a back four from a back three, and that helped get um, control of the midfield. They introduced Kovacic, which really helped them because initially they were they were just getting overrun in midfield. Um, mm. And then, yeah, it all kind of exploded in the last 10 minutes. So, not bad. Not a classic, but I think a no, point neither team will be happy for. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. It was very intense about it being a quality game, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was just all kind of in the middle, um, scrappy at times. I mean, Man United cons- continued that that pressing, which, yeah, as as you rightly put in your notes, I just I can't believe what I'm seeing sometimes. <laughs> I, can't I can't believe, believe they're capable of doing it. It's unbelievable. And all it took was getting rid of Ronaldo and now everyone presses like a cohesive unit. <laughs> it's disturbing. What a tactical genius he is. Who would have Whoa, thought it? tactical genius. Tactical <laughs> genius from ETH. It's all you needed to do. We will come on to Big Ronnie um, and his situation. Uh, but yeah, I think all the praise has to go to Man United. And I think it's clear as day now that 
they are a better team without Ronaldo in the lineup. I think Fernandez is a different player without Ronaldo in the lineup, and I, I'm still struggling to understand how that works or why that's a thing. But it's a thing. He looks like a different player, unshackled. So, yeah, another impressive performance. Maybe I was a bit a bit stronger saying they've they've actually got good. Um, but it's a positive result, isn't it? I'd say of all the Chelsea games I've watched since Potter's come in, Man United gave them the most trouble, and I think that's a credit to either the team or the tactics, well, definitely to the manager and how they were set up. Yeah, I'd agree so, with yeah. that. I mean, this is the kind um, of game where last few seasons, Man United just get absolutely trounced, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one minus decent. I think they were good for it. I think, arguably, on balance, they were the better team for long periods. I was about um, to say, you know, I have to say they're probably the better team if, you, if, you, if you're being fair about it, yeah. Yeah, Rashford looked very bright, but again, can't score still. Can't so. score. There's a big blocker in his head, I think. He hits the ball very hard, but his head's down and he just wallops it. And if Yeah. yeah. There's a player yeah, in there. he's going through a bit of a barren streak. He is. It's been years, though. That's the, that's the hard part. But yeah, if Ten Hag mm. can get kind of form and goals out of him, that's going to be a really good reclamation project for him because they, they do need a striker. So it'd be nice if they could just fashion one instead of buying one. The thing is, the, the, the good thing is, and the bright points are, is that Rashford gets in the right positions and he fits what the team tried to do I couldn't see Ronaldo getting into positions that he did and work like that all game but like you say it's just the finishing Does mm-hmm. is it the intelligent side of things now or I think more likely as you've quite rightly pointed out maybe he's just it's been a long time since he's had that goal scoring juice flowing through his veins he does um, have it though he did have it he does it. have it I, I he had it when he was 17 yeah under Van Gaal he's just got so, jaded with life I think it's a very interesting career Rashford's had at Man U um He's just never quite fit in, has he? He's just had so many managers. He hasn't had that one manager that could just guide him and help him develop as a player. He's constantly changing how he has to play. Yeah. Um, it's not Maybe. Quite, yeah, you're so right. He needed a manager early on who was going to nurture his career and instead he just... Well, just be consistent with him. Different formations, yeah. different positions, different coaching. A lack of coaching, yeah. arguably. And you could probably argue that Mourinho, Van Gaal to an extent, even though Van Gaal introduced him, and Ollie definitely none of them knew what to do with Rashford you know Rashford wasn't their kind of player they'd much rather have like bloody Perisic wouldn't they or you know, some workhorse <laughs> on the left hand side they don't want a player like Rashford who's an out and out striker so yeah I mean it'd be good for everyone involved England United if they can get Rashford up to even 75% of the player that he was when he was I remember he was like the highest rated or highest valued young player in the world I don't yeah. know if I'm talking out my ass there but there was a point was. when no, I, think I think it was, was. Like, yeah, I think he was at like 21, 20. He was like 100 mil. Bang on to be the next big thing. So it'd be nice to see the return of Rashford. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if it would. I enjoy seeing Man United struggle, but he's everyone, a good lad. Yeah, everyone likes he's Rashford a as a person. Maybe not as a Man United mm. player, but I wouldn't begrudge him doing well. There are players that I dislike mm. more than him. Um, what else happened? Varane's got an injury. It's not good for him. Whoa, I don't know how we serious gonna, it is. We said that was coming. But it's always serious with him, isn't it? Bad for United, bad for France, good for England. Great for England. We can now see what happens when you bring back Maguire. Now that the yeah. is a bit more settled, a bit more confident, will we see Maguire hit some semblance of form and ability? Or will he drag it all back down again? I was about to say, if they lose their next game like 2-3-0 or 3-1, then oh, it done. does not look good, breath. It's done. He's got to go. It's done. He's got to go. I think you have to replace him with Lindelof and be that <laughs> savage. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm to who have they got next? Got. That's a really good point. 
So Man United have got West Ham at home. Mm, could it's be not, tricky. Could be tricky. They're in a good run of form, aren't they, West Ham? So West Ham are just a, unlucky, though. They're just an unlucky team, but maybe that's changing. Yeah, Let's have a game. look at Vran's injury real quick. Is there any news? Sources are saying he won't play again for United before the World Cup. So, yeah, okay. the next month is going to be crucial before the World Cup to see that's where tough. the problems lie in that defence. Because if there's one thing France have in abundance, it's centre-backs. So that's tough for him. That's very, very tough. I'm thinking they're starting to run short, though. You know, who have they got? Fafana's out now. I think he had an outside chance. I'm guessing Kimpembe's still fine. They've got... Um, Pamacano. Canate. Canate, but, you know, he's always p- permacrocked, it seems. That's true. Who's the guy... Saliba. Um, who's the guy at Man City who never gets a sniff, but is actually really good? Laporte plays for Spain now. Oh, does he? Oh. Yeah, he swaps he swaps sides because uh, yeah, he never got picked. No, neither do I have something weird going on there. Um Yeah, there could be a real problem for them at centre back. I'm sure I'm missing I'm sure I'm missing I'm sure there's loads more actually. To yeah, be honest, like look, Monaco probably have some prospects. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They haven't they, got Harry Maguire, so they'll be fine. Yeah, they have quite the issues that we have in terms of they have quality, they're just injured. We're just scrambling to find quality. Let alone form. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking uh, of injured anyway. England defenders let's seg it I do feel that the loss of Reese James is really impacting how Potter wants to play yeah. I don't think he's found a solution there yet on that right hand side Loftus-Cheek yes. doesn't seem too up to it neither of them Quetta and Loftus-Cheek kind of interchanging between sort of a back three and a back forward neither of them have anything near the mm. attacking thrust or the defensive quality I mean, Aspie's a great servant but it's like it's yeah. night and day Reese James is probably the best player so it's funny how Despite having this this kind of wealth of all these individuals and all this talent and such a deep squad, Reese James seems totally irreplaceable. Um, happens he is though, isn't he? As well, he is absolutely irreplaceable, and I think it's, he's such a unique player. He's a bit like Cancelo, I suppose, but in a way, he's even more integral to how Chelsea play. He is like everything on that right hand side. If you don't have him, they have no outlet on that side. Do you know what I mean? Aspi can't do it. Loftus Cheek. Mm-hmm brings something to the right hand side but he tends to drift inside um, and then it becomes a lot more narrow so yeah and then you can just double up on the on the kind of the other side yeah because you know it's just you know that that's where the primary threat is going to come on the outside mm, mm, so, so yeah, yeah big loss what they need to do did you see, um, is buy another fullback for 60 mil like Kukurea to, to be the backup right wing back Man City do it all every year. I think that's what he needs I think to do. It's key, isn't it? You just need elite fullbacks at all times. Apparently, I just so don't know who can replace Reece James. Be like, come on, Todd, just one more, one more, big <laughs> just one more, Todd, <laughs> just one more, <laughs> one more, seventy mil, Todd, please, Daddy. <laughs> you know Coincidentally, good. did you um, did you see Reece James's new haircut? What the green? Oh, shocker. I'm not sure about this, Reese. And the jacket as well. Like, it's one or the other. It's not both, Reese. It's not Reese. Yeah. It's not both. He might be having a crisis, aged like 23 or whatever. <laughs> I think I think there is a bit of a crisis not going to the World Cup. He's just like, right, I'm just going to. If I can't be on the pitch, I'm going to put the pitch on my head. That's basically <laughs> what Reese James is for. So. Credit to him. He's like, my mind is on football, Gareth. Look how, look how dedicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how dedicated. <laughs> Oh, in all seriousness, though, I do hope he makes the World Cup because I think he could be key to our campaign too. So get well soon, Reese, and Amen. lay off the hairs. Look what happened to Pogba. Keep off the haircuts. Exactly. You don't want Graham Sooners to take notice of you. 
<laughs> then it all goes wrong. <laughs> it's game over once Graham gets in touch. Exactly. Um, there is also one thing, I don't know if you saw this on YouTube, but the, the Gary Neville, Roy Keane, Ronaldo debate. Have you seen them no, get heated in no, the Sky Studio? Oh, God. It must, oh, it must mate, have been painful to, to watch. You need to add that to your to watch list. I've never seen Roy Keane get so angry. It's so fun. Poor Jimmy Floyd Hasselbanks in the middle trying to get a word in and they're just ignoring him the whole time. It's not the first it's time brilliant. that's happened, is it? They get him in no, just I mean, awkward in the middle, don't they? <laughs> Literally just so they can be like broken up. Um, I mean, credit to him. He did try and get some words in, but Roy Keane wasn't having it. Just looking at Gary Neville giving him daggers. But let's go on to Ronaldo. Um, okay. Obviously, we touched on it last week. He walked off against Tottenham and there's been a lot of developments since. Where do you stand? Roy Keane, I'll put, tell you their perspective. Roy Keane was like, he's the best player in the world. He scores two games, scores every two games. And it's it's undeniable that United are a better team with him in it. Gary Neville's obviously argument is the counter-argument saying, you can't have that kind of player, that kind of presence, that kind of influence in your team and expect it to, to be a positive thing. Um, he's more of a detriment, is Gary Neville's perspective too. And then they just went a log ahead. So what's your perspective, Jack? Let's enter you into this mm. argument. Well, Roy, I'm going to have to disagree with you, mate. I think he is a detriment <laughs> overall. I think Man United actually played really well. They showed it in the last two games that Rashford, he might not have the, the finishing currently, but he has the mm. movement, he has the pressing. If you put Ronaldo in, then Man United basically can't press, so they have to revert to being a counter-attacking team. So if Eric Ten Hag wants to actually play his football, then he can't play Ronaldo because he's the antithesis of what Eric Ten Hag wants them to do. So wrong manager for Ronaldo I'm afraid and I think the the noise around it the the stropping and all of that I think it's just it's not necessary if you want to move forward you don't need someone like that just causing mischief and just being a bad influence like he's he's a good super sub but he's too expensive to be a super sub so mm. time to move mm. him on I think the only way he could survive the season if he accepts a reduced role which I think all, all, all signs point to that not being possible um but I still think he could have a part to play. And I think the money side's kind of moot purely because commercially he probably brings so much to United. Mm. Whether or not he'll behave with the sponsors and, you know, do all that shit now, it's, it's you know, a whole other story. But what a mess. And it's quite sad. I, I, I love Ronaldo just because he is one of the best ever. And it's just like, what is going on here? It's such an unhappy marriage. Yeah. When I, when I was in a taxi over here, um, taxi driver was asking about Ronaldo and saying like what's he viewed like in England and I was like obviously I've got my Liverpool hat on so I was like mm, yeah, everyone respects uh, him as a player mate they fucking love Ronaldo this guy was actually gonna bag me out he was like how dare you how dare you talk badly about Ronaldo he came from nothing so they really like his whole like story came from a little island from a poor family and now he's the biggest superstar football superstar of all time arguably yeah yeah, I mean, but I guess they don't see that he's also a big baby sometimes. Maybe it's like a culture thing, you know. Maybe I mean, I guess in Portugal, Ronaldo would never be dropped because, you know, Ronaldo is Ronaldo, and that is the argument Roy Keane had. To be fair, which is like you're kind of disrespecting his legacy as the best player ever by putting him in as a you know a bit past hub and. Oh, I don't know I don't know maybe it's a clash of culture I don't know but yeah I'm firmly in the, the Ronaldo out camp if I was a United supporter me too I have to say me too it's getting very early yeah it's just it's just unnecessary he's part of the he's part of the past at this point um, 
Moving forwards. Moving forwards. Anything Moving else forwards. you want to say on that game? Or? Yes. Casemiro jumping in the crowds 94th minute after his looping header. You'd love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> oh, I love that passion. I love that yeah, passion for him. This is it. He's a hit now. Yeah, I mean, I've said this to you before. Any foreign player that comes to this league and loves it and shows that they love it, you know, that is endearing to any supporter in England. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. we have this idea that foreign players come here and can't hack it. Um, and Casemiro, more than anyone, someone who's won everything, done everything, he didn't need to come to United and do this. Um, but to see how much that meant to him, I was like, fair fucking play, Casemiro. I'd love to see that from you, mate. I d- vamos! Vamos! <laughs> <laughs> I do like it as well. I'm thinking maybe what's happened is similar to, to Thiago, where they've had such a good career abroad and they want to come to the Prem because they want to explore a part of their game that they haven't been able to. For him, it's actually getting forward because he gets forward a lot more than I assumed that he would so I wonder yeah, if he's, he's come box, here he? got a bit more license to attack and Thiago's come here got more license to chop people and it's like it's just the last little bit of their skill set they haven't really uh, got to use yet and he's just enjoying mm. it he's just having a good time you know popping up no. goals assists just generally being threatening yeah. I mean he looked really good yesterday he really built on his performance against Newcastle and if this is his level and if there's still more levels to go damn that's that's a big game changer. Suddenly, going for him instead of Frankie De Jong seems like perfect. To be honest, he seems he seems like he could just jump in straight away. There's no time mm-hmm. to adapt for him, and you know they uh, have yeah. just needed uh, that. Like I think it's been about eight years that people have said Man United need a proper defensive midfielder, just like a a big guy who just tackles and distributes, and he does all mm-hmm. of it and more. So mm-hmm. it's taken a while, but they finally got the guy they needed. Probably, yeah, probably. No you know a little late in his career ideally but a couple years of service it's good signing what I will say lads it is a bit embarrassing he didn't win the European Cup to be fair he just got an equaliser so <laughs> maybe temper temper the celebrations next time oh celebration police oh, and he applies to Arsenal yeah of course it does mate <laughs> not much to celebrate this week though eh oh no we'll get on to that drab yeah. drab drab but before we do we have so much more exciting stuff to go through so Jack what we got next Leeds 2, Fulham 3. Very, very exciting match overall. I think mm-hmm. I'd summarise this as saying this was a must win for both teams for very different reasons. Um, but they both would have looked at it as a really crucial three points. And they played like it. It was really end-to-end. It was really aggressive. I know you don't expect anything less from Leeds, but Fulham are also quite an attacking direct team. Um, they're not scared mm. to, to kind of throw it around. Particularly Mitrovic, obviously. Um, he got a nice goal from from a corner I think near post flick and it's just like yes. it's just such a presence when it comes to heading like he's actually so lethal I think he's got to be one of the best on current form in the Prem um, I mean this was a near place yeah. flick where he just wanted it and he got it but he also preys on fullbacks a lot and lurks at the back post and just kind of gets a jump on them so all round he's just such an asset and he's having such a brilliant campaign yeah I mean his goal record try to I'll read it out to you 11 matches in the Prem, 9 goals. It's phenomenal. That is a phenomenal record, that. A phenomenal record. I mean, let's compare that to Harry Kane for a second. Harry Kane has got 12 and 10. So, pretty comparable records. And I think Harry Kane's having a top season as well. It's unbelievable, so. really. It's There's some top centre forwards this year, actually. It's the return of the Prem. big boy. That's what it is. It is, you know. We had a couple of seasons with this false nine bollocks and yeah. all this shit. And now we're back. Now we're back to the big man up front. And he is spearheading Fulham's, I want to say survival bid, but I, I think we can safely say that they're they're looking at mid-table now. I think 
there will be a period where they struggle a lot. And you think yeah, they'll 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 drop off at some point? Yeah, I imagine they'll probably finish like fourteenth, fifteenth in the end, just because it's so competitive. Like all the games are difficult. Mm. It's not an easy game. Mm. So they have that belief, though. You know, yeah. I haven't seen this the, the past couple of times. Fulham have come up. They've just they thrown in the towel from the first match. Do you remember last time? Ben? Yeah, I think they beat them four nil. They were just awful. And Marcus Silva's really introduced just a bit of backbone in this team. And I think the spine of the team is good. If I read out their their lineup from yesterday, I'll just point players who I think are decent. Like Bed Leno and goal is a massive upgrade in what they've had before. Bed Leno is an international keeper for fuck's mm-hmm. sakes. You know, Bobby Reed's had a couple seasons since he's moved from Fulham. I think he's he's actually a really good player. Um, Paulinha has been a great addition, right? Pereira's having a good season. Willian looked good yesterday. We'll come on to that. I don't know. I just think their first eleven is Premier League quality, whereas before, it is good. remember we who did we talk about that thirty million? Jean Michel Serri. Yeah. You know they're not pissing about with that anymore. They, it seems like they have an idea in the scouting department of the kind of player they want to go for, and yeah, they have like a. They have a good team. They have a good team mixed with some some established players, and I, I just like the look of their team and I like the way they play. Have I have I said how much I like Fulham? I think I think you might be a fan. <laughs> I, I do think everyone quite likes Fulham. Like they have a very nice historic stadium. They're quite a nice, unassuming group. You know, they're not they're not unbearable mm. fans. They're generally pretty well no. thought of. So I don't think anyone minds Fulham doing well. Um, no, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here, here for it. I'll make it continue. William had a great game, goal and an assist. I'll be honest. Yeah, man. I was not convinced about this at all when they signed him. I thought no. this has got waste of money, um, big name signing. He's passed it, written all over it because he was rubbish at Arsenal. He was absolute dog shit. And correct me if I'm wrong, but does he now have more goals and assists already for Fulham than he had at Arsenal? in the whole season I believe he only got one goal for us so Maybe goal and assist, assist meaning yeah I mean he's at least on par which is ridiculous to think taking um, the piss I just don't know what it was about Arsenal that didn't work for him I mean the fact that he even agreed to you know null his contract with us when he could have just got a payoff to leave says it all about how his time went with us he's gone back to Brazil had loads of trouble you know like you know personal issues with you know violence and threats to his family so he's cancelled his contract at Corinthians. Now, he wanted to come back to London, which is where I think Fulham had this really big advantage over other teams. Mm-hmm. Like Baird Leno wanted to stay in London. William wanted to come back to London. Would they have necessarily been able to get these players had they not been situated in cosy West London? Maybe not. but Probably not, mate. To hey. be honest, it's just a nice life. He just wants to settle down now. You know, maybe he's I got, think so. Maybe he's got I a think couple so. more years to get a visa. He's got to do two more years in England. To I get. think so. I think I, I read an interview saying he, that is what he's looking at and that's what he's looking at next. Um, and I think Brazilians always do do well in London. I don't think Brazilians have a particularly bad time. There's a big population of Brazilians out here or Portuguese speaking contingent. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally speaking, any Brazilian player that, that comes to London, people like Thiago Silva, they love it, you know? So maybe it was, you know, for him, like he needs everything in place outside of football in order for him to perform I am I am thinking way too much into this yeah game. this is proper rabbit hole but this yeah. is proper rabbit hole shit he did well yeah. he did <laughs> <To summarize. laughs> like story short he done really well yesterday he's happy Fuck and sakes. he's doing well 
<laughs> cool story, bro. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, no worries. No worries. I'm uh, just uh, philosophizing about Williams' mental state. <laughs> it's not like we've got 10 games to get through or anything. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, it's going to be a long one today. Anyway, moving yeah. on then. Fuck my life. Um, um, Jesse Marsh. Let's go on to him and his precarious position as Leeds manager. Yes, Jesse Marsh. So before we get into Leeds, I've got... So we... Hugh, say, say some stuff for a second. Actually, no, don't worry. So basically, we on this podcast... You know, we are we are always searching for authentic opinions, new ideas. And so what we've got is hot off the press from our Leeds football expert, Jack Riak. We have one of those. So this is from Jack Riak on what he thinks about Jesse Marsh and the state of Leeds currently. Let's get it. Cue play the clip. So Leeds fans have been up in the air about Jesse Marsh as a manager since he's come in. Um, but he's been definitely given time. Uh, but this time that he's been given looks to be coming up now, at least with the, the fans themselves rather than the board. So taking over after Bielsa was always going to be a massive challenge. You know, Bielsa played a unique style of football. He had principles he would stick to. The fans knew what the plan was, what the direction was going to be with the, the team, and the outcome was definitely entertaining. Uh, the problem with Marsh is that he's a bit different, right? He's more open with the press, talks about motivation with the players. He seems very nice and kind, albeit very, very aggressive on, on the sideline, at least to the refs. Um, but the problem is he lacks that conviction and the presence that Bielsa had, at least with the way his players uh, played on the pitch, you know? So the problem now is the results aren't coming. The last win we had was, I believe, in August against Chelsea, although that was a 3-0. That's when we thought, okay, look, we can see what he's trying to do. But when you watch the team now, you're not sure of the principles. You know, we're losing to Leicester, we're losing to Fulham badly. Um, And if those principles are there, they're definitely not working. Um, I believe the players are to blame for a lot of it, but you can't sack players. And ultimately, the board are to blame. The, The fans in the ground now are chanting for the board to go. They're chanting for Marcelo Bielsa. The board themselves haven't invested in the squad. We've got a negative net spend after we sold Rafinha and Phillips for good money. Uh, they have replaced those two, but it doesn't seem like it's uh, really improved the squad overall. And it now seems that the successor of Bielsa, Jesse Marsh, isn't taking us forward. And it seems to actually be rolling backwards slowly as well. I reckon he'll probably be given till the World Cup to prove himself. And he could turn that around, but it's a huge job, especially with the fans now on his back. Um, and they've lost faith. So yeah, it's going to be a rough one. Well, there you have Thank it. Thank you, Jack, from our Leeds. Sorry, our Leeds, our Leeds analyst. He's got a lovely voice, hasn't he? He was born. Listen to that born, all day. Born for podcasting, mate. Born for it. He is. We'll have to but, get him on for a proper feature when Marsh gets a sack. <laughs> so there you go. Leeds fans not happy. Jesse Marsh probably got some work to do to turn it around, but one foot out the door, I'd say at this point. Um, and to be honest, you can't really argue with that because two of the Fulham goals are directly from corners, one directly, one in the second phase of the corner, but both just crosses. And it's mm. one of those basic things. If you can't organise a defence to defend set pieces and particularly crosses, they're doomed. And that comes down to either players yeah. not listening or not being able to coach it properly or a bit of both. And neither of those is a good thing for keeping your job long term. Because every team would just mm. look at that and be like, well, we'll just whip it in a few times. Like they, They're chaotic. And the more that happens, the worse it gets and the harder it is to undo. So, not looking too good. I did good. feel like they concede a lot of chances. Mm. In yesterday's game, let's just use yesterday's game because actually against us, they were really impressive to be honest. But, you know, yesterday they were so loose. 
There were so many chances for um, fucking. Oh, I've actually forgotten who they're playing. Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> so many chances, and you know, Fulham cut them open time and time again. It, you know, the scoreline, in, in a way, flattered them. At three one down, it could have gone to five one. Mm-hmm. Realistically, um, and yeah, I think time is running out for Jesse Marsh. It's very interesting that you know what Jack said about the fact that they're still chanting for Bielsa. I wonder if, if he's really struggling to get out of Bielsa's shadow. I think the net spend is a bit harsh as well because Calvin Phillips and Rafinha are two world-class players. I don't think you could reasonably expect to have a positive net spend coming out of this, this summer window. Just because Leeds, no offence Leeds fans, you know, probably can't attract the profile that Calvin Phillips and Rafinha got to when they were at Leeds just before they left, right? They'll have to get someone like Aronson for a cheaper price and then build him back up to that level. I think that's got to be the model for, for Leeds at this current time. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, if a bad result against Liverpool, if they slip into that relegation zone at the weekend, not looking good, bruv. Not looking good, bruv. Right. Not looking good. Right. Well, let's move on. Um, Wolves four, Leicester... No. Wolves nil. God, silly me. Can you imagine if Wolves got four? Wolves nil, Leicester four. <laughs> it's the sun rising from the west. <laughs> um, this this was a funny game, really, because two teams that were you know in the relegation zone really struggling, and Leicester just absolutely wiped the floor with Lee, with Wolves. Oh my um, god, yeah. It was a funny game where basically Wolves actually probably created more chances overall. But I mean, how many times have we said it? Wolves just can't score goals. No matter what they do, they have no finishing. And Leicester scored with every shot they had. I, I honestly, and I don't know the stats, but I think they probably scored with about five shots on target, and they scored four. So it's just one of those games where, on another day, could have honestly been two nil Wolves, but it was four nil Leicester, which was just balmy. Best, yeah, best goal. Honestly, crazy. Tielemans. Crazy. I mean, what a goal! Oh, Tielemans is so capable of that every season, though. Yeah, like that's his calling card. He'll have a screamer every season, but yeah, once or twice. What a beauty! Absolutely, bastard. Yeah, that was that was wicked, wicked goal. Um, Madison had another good game. He's just played really well. He's going to be. Tell you what, their English midfielders of Dewsbury Hall, Harvey Barnes, and James Madison. It's a bit of a wet dream for me, low key. Not going to lie. Like I'd happily take them at Arsenal. To be honest, all three of them. I like him. I think they're all really good players. I agree. Like Dewsbury Hall was underrated. So well, yeah. If he was coming 100%. through, that's a nice story because he is better than you expect from someone breaking through. And he broke through quite late. He broke through at 23. So there obviously wasn't that much fuss about him. But yeah, he's just, he's great. Sometimes he's their best player after Madison. He's, he just looks, he just looks good. Yeah. Tidy. Quite silky. Technically solid. Yeah. Plays the right ball. Like that, that, that one, two for Harvey Barnes' second goal. Or sorry, the second goal of Harvey Barnes. Oh, such a nice goal. Just clean. Like yeah. that's good football. And they're in sync. So yeah, I, we've long said Leicester have a squad more than capable to be better, to be where they are. And, We've been calling for Brendan's head on this pod. I won't shy away from it. And maybe Kuntop knows a bit more about football than we do in running a football club because... It's possible. They haven't down tools yet. And a 4-0 win like this really shows that. They are behind Rodgers, regardless of what's going on behind the scenes. I think what might have happened here is that because they don't want to sack him, and he wanted, he probably wanted to be sacked realistically, he wouldn't have minded to leave the job because it was all going so wrong and his brand was getting damaged. Maybe the realisation mm. that it, it's, it's on you, mate, you've got to sort this out. And you start to get like a few scrappy wins. It all just turns around, and he's like, "Okay, all right, maybe I can get out of this nightmare." And then he starts to believe. Then the players start to believe, and then everything just starts to work out. Wolves are a good team to play right now. They are terrible, and I'm a firm believer mm-hmm. in there being good times to play teams and bad times to play teams. And the schedule will just 
help some teams out without you know any fault of anyone's and right yeah. now playing Wolves is a great time because they are fucking awful scoring goals they are shorn of confidence and they need to find a new manager as soon as possible to start putting things in place they have one of the most unbalanced squads I think in the Premier League this year defence is non-existent the idea the, sorry the letting Cody go to Everton on loan it's just criminal I think. shocker 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 especially if they were sacking Bruno Leige you know a couple a couple games down the line from when he moved so yeah it's just been mistake after mistake and the problem with Wolves is is like if they were to go down they will lose so many players yeah. they will lose Neves the vo- they will the lose vultures. all these the Vultures will circle more than any other team because they have a good squad that has been inflated by Jorge Benders their super agent that basically runs it so big big decisions coming for Wolves and they just looked abject yesterday they looked like a team ready to go down if I'm honest yeah I mean apparently they're leaving their manager search until post World Cup so they give I think it that says it all lifelong I think that says it all. Wolves fan caretaker manager like what another six games potentially so I think that's very risky personally and I don't really know who they're going to get if they're only going to get Portuguese managers but Amarim it's got to be doesn't well, matter about the 30 mil yes. got to go for him he's being linked with someone else I believe it was Aston Villa but we'll come on to it uh, yeah. Aston Villa have diverged from the path um, a final note on one player who's done really well the Fires effect so he's played nice last six starts and Leicester have got five clean sheets is that a coincidence I don't think so I think not So I think not he, he yeah he's just good He's just a defender who's good, and Leicester have done it again. They've sold their best centre-back in Fafana, and they've bought someone no one's ever heard of, and he's looking like their best centre-back again already. So, you know, yeah, it's not broken. good business not everything's done. everything's all broken there. Um, and it's nice. That's it's just nice to see that there yeah. are still bargains yeah. to be had. thing is, when Leicester have money, their transfer, their transfer approach is still king, I think, because... With Fires, for example, they had like 48 hours to do the deal because once they sold for Fana, it was that late in the window. Mm-hmm. He's gone and snapped him up at a snip. I mean, how much did he move for? Let's just find out. 15 million. You know, that's a quarter of what they paid for Fofana. And if he can just continue this form, he doesn't need to be Fofana's like-for-like replacement. No. But if you can, you know, carry on this this percentage of clean sheets versus games played, then they'll be fine. And they've made 45 mil and a little bit more on top. Yeah. So, also, I just want to point out that this does show what a fucking stupid decision it was from Brendan to keep playing like Ndidi or Amati as centre backs. Because as soon as they play an actual centre back as centre back, they don't concede goals. And you just think like you're paid a lot of money, Brendan. Surely you could have worked this out that playing people in their right positions yeah, equals yeah. good results. I mean, what happened with him and Soyuncu, Kagla Soyuncu? I don't know what's happened there. I think he might be a touch of Harry Maguire or Lovren about him I think he, he he's got a lot of gaffes in him he was alright for them last season though yeah. he played like 28 games last season I mean yeah maybe he's just got gone out of form I mean let us Leicester fans please engage with us let us know what's going on there I have no idea um, it just I, I agree it seems we must be desperate to be putting NDD in but yeah. hey Brendan's at the wheel he's turning it around unbelievable if he turns it around then the whole narrative changes about him and his career. But yeah. I remain unconvinced for now. Let's see how it plays out. What I will say is that there's only six points between ninth place and 20th place. And that is, I think, 
this relegation battle this year is going to be very very tight very Mm. very tight there's no obvious candidate there seems to be like seven obvious candidates but they're all above there's no Norwich you know well yeah I mean there was but now there's not there was Bournemouth now there's not there was Forest now there's not now there's not now there's Wolves next week it won't be now there's not yeah yeah so it's going to be a really fun season at the bottom of the table bottom and the top mate the race for the top four is going to be good the relegation fight is going to be good it's just the title that's going to be a procession Yep, Arsenal after 18 years. No, I'm only joking. It's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> um, all right, on to the last one before the break. So, battle of the top four hopefuls: Tottenham versus Newcastle. Tottenham one, Newcastle two. This is big. I feel like this is a monumental result, a um, seismic result, and maybe the passing of of the baton. You know, yeah. This could be it. This could be the the welcome to the top six, aka the top seven kind of result, isn't it? Definitely. So, yeah, I think for Eddie Howe, Newcastle, it's a huge result. To win away at one of the big six, um, you know, they played extremely well against Man City away and got a draw. It was at home, I can't remember. They played extremely well, outplayed Liverpool, but just lost through very, very lucky goals from Liverpool. Um, mm. And, yeah, now they've, now they've beaten... Um, well, they had that solid result against United, where they probably should have won. Yeah, so, like, they're no joke. They beat the they beat the small teams and they compete and beat the big teams as well. So on current form, I reckon they're easily the fourth best team in the league, uh, behind sort of Arsenal, City. Yeah. And, ooh, don't know who else. Maybe I, mean, I guess. But now this is a real hot take. We haven't had one of these, but I am going to say that Eddie Howe plays a better version of Conte ball than Conte. I mean, it's hard to disagree. Because it's hot as fuck, they can, isn't it? They concede less goals and they actually attack properly. Exactly. Look at the stats. They concede less. They have a meaner defence, but they press higher. They work harder. And they just create far better chances and look more threatening in attack. Like What, what, what Eddie Howe's done is, is ridiculous what, at this point. What I would say, though, is that if you... And this sounds so stupid to say. But if you substitute Joe Ellington and Gibberesh into Spurs midfield, then I'm pretty sure they are just as good, if not better. Because their midfield is so superior to Spurs. I mean, talking about Spurs specifically, Spurs set up, right, with Benton Kerr, Skip and Basuma in the middle. Just know, two on top. Like, that is three defensive midfielders with very little creativity, really. And then just two strikers. It is unbelievably negative. And so if you skip out two of them, Basuma, Gimaresh, Joe Ellington, I'm sure Spurs win this game. Yeah, the problem with Conte Ball is... is so much is put on the wingers and the wing backs the wing backs are there to provide so much you know Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Perisic unfortunately he could have done it maybe three or four years ago he did it for him at Inter but he's passed it he's coming into the fastest league in the world at 31-32 I don't think he can do it what was wrong with Sessignon mate Sessignon had great games from what I remember well Sessignon came on late yesterday and dare I say that he did do a bit more on that left hand side Um, he's got to put more faith in him and equally with Emerson Royale he doesn't do too much wrong but he doesn't he doesn't give enough offensively in order for this kind of system to work Um, you know let's go back to Inter days again he had Hakimi who was one of the best wing backs in the world Um, one of the best attacking wing backs in the world I should say and he just I don't know if he has the personnel but I mean they've spent over 100 million after the game he was already saying you know he's making excuses things like I always said with Tottenham we need three or four windows to get to the right depth but I mean you're asking a lot Antonio mm-hmm. especially from a team like Tottenham who historically don't spend a lot of money yeah, um, and they have pushed but, the boat out to actually make that happen for him in the summer they spent a lot of money mm, in the summer 
I spent a lot of money, which is very out of character for them, unless they had a big departure and a Gareth Bale back in the day. Yeah. So I can see, and we we touched on it last week, but you can see why Tottenham fans get annoyed when they lose games like this because it's not like they were the better team and unluckily lost. They no. were dominated. There's a lot of um, good parts, and of they that were team. sloppy. And yeah, look, what it is is they set up to not lose, and when you set up not to lose, you invite the possibility of losing because you know you're not being ambitious you're not actually trying to win so when you invite pressure onto you and you play your defensive when it doesn't go well it's on you because it looks terrible um special praise from me for eric dyer another classic eric dyer game i think that's three on the bounce now pass back was too hard at one point in the first half and it almost just went straight to the goal he's just not that good at football and i honestly think playing two and just not playing dyer would yield the same mm. results as playing Dyer. And then like that, they could actually have another attacker. I just think play, just play him a back four. I mean, they've got mm. a defensive midfield anyway, so they could have fullbacks that just run up and down. They don't need to be wingbacks. And you just have Benton Kerr or Basuma sit between the centre-backs in the attack. So there's still three defenders. And then you can have three attackers because Eric Dyer brings very little to the table. In all current form, bring Tarkovsky bring Cody just don't bring Dyer yeah I Eric Dyer's really been fallible these last couple of games really stretching back to the North London derby he's not good enough <laughs> he's not good enough he's not. and if, if that's the best that we've got then it is a real worry going into that into that World Cup I mean was he in the most recent squad I think he was, he was wasn't he, he was. I'd honestly was. prefer to see an Everton backline right now I think Cody's a natural option, isn't it? Cody's shown more Cody, than enough Cody, Tarkovsky and Pickford, mate. And we just sit back and we counter. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I, like, I think, yeah. Uh, yesterday showed again, Eric Dyer's just not up to it. He's, yeah, he's just not good enough. I mean, let's talk about, let's talk about that Lloris goal. First yeah. goal, Wilson. Okay, so I'm going to say it. I'm not looking at you. I'm just going to say it. it's not a foul. It's not a foul. It's never a foul. I agree. How do you, how'd I agree. you feel? It's not a foul either. It's just like it's coming together. They're both running for the same ball. They run into each other. One falls over, one doesn't. Could have been either of them. And well, Larice kind of like runs into him. Then looks at the ref. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he's looking for it. He's looking. But where, where's Wilson supposed to go? Like he meant to dive out of the way. Well, he's, you know, he's, they're both going for the ball. Just very quickly, just sort of come in and out of reality, and just <laughs> come out the other side of him without going through him somehow. Um, yeah, Larice needed to clear it. He didn't just need to like chest it and it's go just, to the barge. It's that classic Larice moment, it. isn't it? It's that that sort of bi-monthly clanger, Larice clanger that he's so fond of. I mean, most keepers would have just they would have just cleared it. They would have swept it up easily. Allison would have swept that up easily. Edison, yeah. I'm sure Ramsdale would have done yeah. the same. But Larice, he just he just stuttered a they bit. Just, they would have just scooped it out, isn't it? Yeah, it was really you see it all the time. You know, as a sweeper keeper, as you're expected to be coming off the line, you just need to get it out of your head. So, yeah, nothing, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. From Great me. finish, wasn't it, from Callum Wilson? It's very nice. Very big contrast from uh, Danny Welbeck's finish with a similar opportunity, which we'll get to. It just shows the difference between strikers who know where the goal is and strikers that don't. Uh, but Callum Wilson's mm-hmm. a good player. He's he's fighting for that spot. I know Isaac's injured at the moment, but Isaac's not walking back into that team. <clears throat> nah, not without a fight from Callum Wilson. I mean, if he continues form like this, is there the argument he could make it to Qatar? I just feel like he's going to get injured before then, sadly. Yeah, and also, I feel like his injury record will go against him, just in general. It's a long month. Yeah, and Gareth doesn't like it? to change things very much. Um, got one player who is not going anywhere, Miggy Almoron. Oh, my oh, days. What a goal. Another better better. Goal. Five oh goals God. in his last five games. 
right now Actually, I'd say he's the most informed player in England there's a hot yeah. take for you I agree was it 12 games 6 goals and all it's bangers the best player as well. in the league mate best player in the league all right bangers now. no mash yeah easily one of the best wingers he's basically what Nick, what I wanted Nicolas Pepe to be for Arsenal he's basically what Mo Salah was a couple of seasons ago that goal was just like oh, on the outside and then managed to get it on his left and then yeah. just oh it's unreal it's unreal goal, most players don't it's score goal. that because all of it is unreal like the press from Newcastle the turn from him the change of pace and then to still somehow squeeze it in with his left foot mm-hmm. from an angle that there was no there was no he had no right to be hitting it with his left it wasn't possible Nah, I don't know how he's managed to get the space to open his body up like that and find the angle. It's that's a player playing at the peak of his powers, and long may it continue, Miggy. Or should Love I say, Santiago? It. Santiago. Santiago's on fire. <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, right, let's go for a break. Then we're back. We'll round up some more games. Welcome back to From the Back Seat. We weren't sure he was bringing us back there. So it was a Mexican standoff and I lost. <laughs> oh, that was clean. The cleanest break we've ever done. Yeah, mate. Those, that transition was beautiful. Ah, transitions. Man City, three. Brighton, one. Oh. This was this was just an inevitable game. You knew what the script was going to be. You knew how it was going to go. You knew the City would get an early goal, and they did. And what a goal it was. Basically, it, it deserves a recap. Um, basically, there's a long ball over the top from Edison. Haaland picks it up, uh, rounds the goalie, literally shoves Adam Webster onto the floor. Like Adam Webster is a, is a four-year-old. No way. And then just, just taps it in, just rolls it into an empty net. And you just think, like, he's outpaced the goalie. He's literally... Adam Webster is no joke. Adam Webster's he's a, quite big a big lad. guy. He's a big ass And they've lad. gone they've gone shoulder to shoulder and Adam Webster has gone he's been sent for a hot dog, mate. Some say he's still sliding. <laughs> he he was nowhere to be found. And then Holland just rounded him. No. That's like the most you just cheat code goal I've ever heard. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Pretty pretty standard. There were quite a lot of um penalty appeals in this game for City. Shock. Um some of them more justified than others. I mean, there was one challenge on Holland, which was a proper ankle breaker, which wasn't given for some reason. Ooh. And then one on Silva, where he basically just ran into someone, which was given. So you make it make sense. TV reverse a decision. That's the trend. If it goes to the monitor, it's being reversed. 99% chance. Um, yeah, that's good. Holland was on pens. Yeah, I saw that. Holland on pens. Interesting. And he buried it. Interesting. So that's the end of that sort of slight chink in the armoury for City that they're a bit rubbish at penalties he's going to take the pens and he's going to score the pens so anyone who took him out of fantasy football is a mug yeah I mean anyone why would you take him out his price is only going to go up in fantasy football guys come on don't listen to the articles they're just trying to make it more fair but you can't hide from the fact 17 Premier League goals now and 11 matches for Erling Haaland and he's going to win the Premier League this year with City it's just nailed on it's just nailed on. They're just too good on their day. Um, they are just too good. And like Brighton were quite good. They went man for man for the first half, which is quite bold. Brave. Hadn't seen that since Bielsa. And it worked for a while. Um, Edison didn't know who to pass to at one point in the first half. Played the ball straight to Welbeck. 
Um, Edison was stranded miles out from goal. Welbeck has a look, just skies it straight over the bar. You just think like, that's the guy you want. If you're going to give someone a free shot from distance, you want it to be Welbeck. Yeah. He's He'll score one in six. Ah, Welbs. Yeah. Um, interesting that, that they went man for man. I just don't think you can keep that up over the whole game. You know what I mean? No, well, City, City wise up to it and just started going long to bypass it, which is how the first goal came around. Mm. And then after that, City are 2 0 up. Too easy. You know, Brighton have to change things. Trossard scored an excellent goal. I'm such a big fan of Trossard. Trossard's such a good player, think, isn't he? I think he's, he's, he's not only Brighton's best player, but I think he's a Champions League quality player. I could totally see him doing bits in the Champions League. Well, I think and then, his, his, his contract's up at the end of the season. If it is, that's going to be such a big loss. Brighton because he's their standout player. He's noticeably, noticeably good, and like you take him as a squad player. At, I'd say most yeah. most clubs take his take his goals and assists away from this Brighton team, and they might be near at the bottom. They might be right at yeah, the bottom. Exactly. To be perfectly honest with you, he's versatile. He's dangerous in front of goal. Um, technically, he's very good. He's just a really good player. Mm, yeah, they need to keep. They'll need to keep him for sure. Be interesting if they do manage to hold on to him. And also, are we then seeing you know the start of Brighton actually being the feeder club for for elite clubs? Essentially, I mean, it's it's always inevitable when you're a team that's overperforming that you do get picked apart. Mm. It happens every time, and we did worry about Brighton when they lost Dan Ashworth and then they lost Graham Potter and Cucurella. and they've lost Basuma and Cucurella. And so now you're looking at it, Trossel's probably the next one to get poached, maybe Caicedo as well. Mm, um, Lamptey won't be far behind. Yeah, and it's just it's just a shame because you feel like the project has been dismantled before it, it peaked and it's just Potter left, really. It's day and age Deserby's, Deserby's a good manager, but five games about a win now. I don't think Brighton have played badly in any of those games. They just can't score goals again. The curse is back. Mm. They might have used up all their goals mm. under Potter. I have had a hard run of games, but probably not start to Zerbi wanted and yeah their stats kind of don't do them justice in terms of the results like they will come good no. Brighton but again you know we say that a lot about teams and the reality is is like you can only think one game ahead and if you keep losing that might sink in um, mm-hmm. but there's no shame to lose 3-1 at the Etihad against a Manchester City lineup with KDB and Haaland in it and KDB scored a screamer I understand maybe you can talk us through that one yeah, as mate. well scored an absolute rocket do you know what the more I see KDB the more I think he reminds me of a more a more polished version of Gerrard because like, he's got a very similar running style um, and then he'll just he'll just absolutely lash them in and you know he's going in like, he just picks the ball up has a look and then just absolutely wallops it top bins like 30 yards you're like standard really mm. so I think KDB is like Gerrard 2.0 at this point I think he's he's unbelievably good one of the best midf- maybe the best midfielder in the world I think I'm trying to rack my it's brains hard. like maybe Modric a couple of years ago was on par it's hard to argue with that right now I can't think of one whose all round game is, is better than KDB's it's just and you can't think of a team where he wouldn't walk straight in either so mm. that's a sign that he's at the top I think he is I think he is and I think City are really lucky to have him to be honest oh yeah Chelsea absolutely fumbled the bag fumbled the bag fumbled the bag but what has Chelsea's loss of City's gain and yeah uh, I'm getting bored of talking about City because it's the same it's the same and it's not fair there is a lack of storyline amongst it all unfortunately but they keep on moving 
whenever they have a hurdle. Um, I mean, what they lost to Liverpool and then straight back, boom. Yeah, yeah. Drama's over. Yeah. That's over. You know what I mean? They ha- they take an L and they carry on catching five dubs. So yeah, you know what? Let's just fucking move on. Well done, City. Well done, Harland. You're going to win the league, and it's not even November. Yeah. I hope it makes you happy. Yeah. <laughs> you sad little lives. <laughs> oh, into a game I really did want to cover because there's so many kind of subplots with this one. Aston Villa 4, Brentford nil. Um, what the fuck? They didn't want to play for Gerrard. <laughs> no, mate. I don't, I, I don't think anyone could believe what they were seeing. Three goals within 15 minutes. Gerrard was game. the problem. This is the clearest, clearest evidence that players do indeed down tools when they don't like the manager. Yeah, I mean, after Fulham destroying them last week and the, just the abject nature of that performance, Gerald had to go and it's justified, mate. Totally justified. justified. I mean, the contrast is not great, is it? Oh, it's like chalk and cheese. It's probably worse than that. It's like, I won't say that, but it's it's like chalk and cheese. <laughs> yeah. I just I feel bad. I feel like Gerard was probably sitting somewhere, just like having a nice time watching it because it was Sunday lunchtime, I think, or Sunday. Maybe he was oh, at the pub, I having a roast. He's been white with and rage, just, to be honest. Just, just looking at it, just checking his phone under the table, just fuming. Now there is some interesting takeaways. Now John McGinn, who was an ardent supporter of Gerard, his captain, obviously, dropped, God. dropped, mate. Now what does that say? I think there's been a bit of a splinter in the dressing room. I think there was kind of pro Gerard and a very large contingent yeah. of anti Gerard players. Phil Coutinho gone. gone. Yeah, I'm trying to do the labour thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nice, no, nice. No, Steven Gerrard gone. <laughs> um, but they played so well, <laughs> mate. This was like this was like prime Arsenal or prime Barcelona. This is just great football. Leon Bailey. Best player on the pitch. Oh, my country mile. Um, I think he was moved to left wing. He's played right wing predominantly. And he just looked so good. Like, he he's one of the only players that has genuine, like, width um, and directness yeah. in this game. Everyone else wants to create stuff in front, but he wants to get in behind. Um, he's usually crossing to absolutely no one in the box. So he in the box himself and just scored from a really nicely worked corner. And then got a great assist for the second as well, so... Man, the match performance from him did bits. Yeah, I thought Buendia um, looked bright. Um, no longer Buendia looked really good in the shadow of fucking Coutinho. What a, what a mistake that was getting him permanently. Um, Look, I don't I don't want to say that that we are we are good at football, but <laughs> they, they started playing four two three one, which is the best formation of all time. <laughs> and look what happens: they win four 0 I know. You play you play a creative attacking midfielder in the creative attacking yep. midfielder role. You play Wiggers on the wing. A balanced oh midfield God. with David Luiz and Dendonka. Not David Luiz, Douglas oh Luiz. Look. I know. It's all worked out. Suddenly they've won a game. Wow. Maybe we should. Who would have thought Maybe it? Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Any non-league teams who want a 4-2-3-1 set up, let us know. Because I'm, I'm yeah, happy to try If you want two laptop managers. This is the way. We got this you. This is the way. Um, but yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. As much as Aston Villa looked great, where were Brentford? Where are you? They looked lost at Shocker. corners. Couldn't defend them. Ben Mead looked looked awful yesterday, which is you know usually he's consistently solid if not spectacular. So I want to put it down to a real off day from Brentford as much as it was a brilliant performance from from Aston Villa. Um, yep, Brentford were diabolical. They were off it. I mean they 
they were three down and it could have easily been five or six and they have like Raya to thank for that yeah Raya was having a stormer which you don't say usually for a 4-0 result yeah they were terrible and they are terrible away from home Brentford it turns out so a slightly worrying trend for them mm-hmm. because if they are getting smashed every other game across the season it's going to be very hard to sort of manage your form and yeah keep morale high yeah I mean I, uh, part of that is also Brentford have set such high standards for the neutral to expect from them so when it does go to a 4-0 thrashing it just seems really wrong Nice to see Danny Ings and Watkins score in the same match. How often has that happened? Maybe never, to be honest. Maybe never. I mean, Watkins tried his best to not score. Yeah. It was ridiculous. He is woefully out of form and God, he needed that goal. Took three attempts. Oh, what did I see? Three goes at the same time. a great chance. tweet from a Villa fan. It was like, Watkins is the absolute master at kicking the ball straight at the keeper. <laughs> That's <was> so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yeah he needed that and you yeah, three chances I think it sums it up really three chances he had all in a row just to pop that in it was like bum slaps in the park it really was it was comical mm. Danny Ings a lot more clinical mm-hmm. nice goal love Danny Ings um, but yeah in a more general point as I was referencing like earlier there there is definitely better times to play teams and you just get you get advantages right when when would Brentford have liked to play Aston Villa any time before right now this is the this is the only time where it would have been not good to play Villa mm. because they've just got rid of Gerrard had Gerrard won against Fulham maybe he'd still be there and they, they might have won this game but he got sacked because of Fulham smashed them and then it's all just fallen apart so I do have sympathy because sometimes some teams will just keep playing like bad teams that have just got rid of their manager and it'll mean that those easy games become really difficult and they just don't get the points that other teams do so it was a shame for Brentford, but just how it goes sometimes. How it goes. You win some, you lose some. But I mean, you try best not to lose them like that. I'm going to put it down to, yeah, maybe it's just wrong team, wrong time, if we're being really, really, really fair to them. So, any closing remarks on uh, the Aston Villa managerial situation? Yes, the return of Unai Emery, the Europa League Unai master. Emery. Good evening. Now, we're going to stop doing that because that's actually pretty harsh. Um Will he have turns success? Out, bit xenophobic. Turns it's, out we're all terrible we people. We are all terrible xenophobes. It's, very, it's crazy how a couple of years can make you reflect on that. Do you think yeah. he will have redemption? Do you think he's a good fit? I mean, he's done great work at Villarreal after Arsenal. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that he left. He must have got a very hefty wage increase to leave such a good project at Villarreal. Aston Villarreal, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I mean the project the I'm going to even put it out there and say the project at Aston Villa is quite exciting you've got you've got money in the bank you've got ambitious owners but do they still have money in the bank is it Chinese owners at Villa no they've got Americans? I want to say Middle Eastern fella but that feels, that feels a bit xenophobic as well they've got a very ambitious owner who will back them and because I thought it was Chinese owners and I thought Chinese owners are all out of money no not Chinese the owners That's I think Wolves have got a Chinese owner at the moment mm. um, yeah Aston Villa Honestly, it's a project club, but as a lot of Villa fans have noted in the forums, it does tend to be a bit of a graveyard for managers at the moment. So I'm hoping it's not the same for Unai, because he's done so well to redeem himself after that Arsenal stint. It'd be a shame to see his reputation further go down in this country. Are you not just worried that the same issues are going to come up in terms of not being able to express himself properly because he's speaking his native language? I think he can speak English much better now. Because that was the main issue, it's just he couldn't get his points across, which I totally understand, because if I got airdropped into Spain or Portugal, mm. and they were like, right, 
you've, you've done really well in England. Can you do the same here? And I'll be like, I don't even know the words for goal, mate. Don't really know. Mate, how there's to plenty of anything. managers with that problem though. Marcelo Bielsa, Pochettino when they came That's over. That's true. Maybe Deserby maybe, maybe is bring, having the same bring problem. Bring in Bielsa's translator because that guy's probably been out of work for a while, and he <laughs> was he was fun. I liked. He was him. a good lad, wasn't he? He was a good lad. I think he'll be like a success. You'd hear Bielsa just ranting and ranting next to him, and they'd just be like. Yeah, we didn't play too well today, to be honest. <laughs> 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 yes, mate. I, honestly, I think he'll do well. I think he'll do well. And he's a definitely... Do you feel like you want him to do well because you feel bad of how you treated him? I don't feel bad how I treated him. I didn't treat him that badly, but he did fuck up. The only I mean, time... I he was in Arsenal fans. The only time he lost the Europa League was with us, so it's unforgivable, to be honest with you. He's won it with everyone That's else. True, true. So the one guarantee. Couldn't deliver that for us. Didn't get fourth place. At the end of the day, he didn't... He didn't have a mandate anymore by the time he left. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a big coup for, for Villa and it's going to be a complete step above step above from Gerrard and what Gerrard's been delivering for their players and the team. So, Also, I have to commend the quick business. We've seen other teams fire managers recently and not able to find one or faffing about. They went and just got Unai in a couple of days. That's a pretty big thing. Um, it is good. It's impressive. He, he's got... Look, if you if you didn't have the uh, Arsenal stint, which puts a few question marks, he's a great manager. He's got a great record in Europe. He's someone who's sort of Europa League, Champions League quality, I think, proven pedigree. You just have the question mark of how it went with Arsenal, but maybe that says more about where Arsenal were at the time. Yeah, and he, I feel like he was he was scapegoated a lot as well. He was for like, all I mean, everyone issues. who was there has basically got got rid of now. All of the directors, all of that transfer. Oh, it's just it's just a load of men who didn't really know what they were doing it turns out and just yeah, yeah just no honestly like I don't look back at him like I'm still fond of Unai like he was endearing to me by the end but anyway speaking about Arsenal or former Arsenal managers let's go to let's go to Arsenal <laughs> let's do it um, oh, Southampton won Southampton won Arsenal, Arsenal. Won. um <laughs> Really interesting. I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah, honestly, got, I'm, I can't oh wait till we come to your to your game. But I'm going to say it's a game of two halves and I have to really give credit to Southampton because second half they were all over us like a rash. Whereas in the first half, we could have feasibly put it to bed 4-0 up. That's no, that's no hyperbole. Um, yep. Do you feel a bit disappointed that you didn't put it to bed? Because I felt like you had so many chances to kill the game off early on. And Bazunu had a great game in goal. Mm. I don't really know his story. I don't really know where he's City. coming from. But is mm-hmm. it? Ah, because he's good. I think he's really good. He's good. Yeah, he's a prospect. Um, but you notice him a lot, which makes me think that maybe Southampton are a bit of shit and he has a lot put of saves to make. And I don't want to fall into that trap. We should have finished the game off in the first half, if we're being really honest. We shouldn't have allowed them yeah. to come back into the game in the second half. Um, do I feel like this is like an issue? I think this is amazing that the fallout from a 1-1 draw away from home is causing this much of a stir amongst other 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 fans, to be honest. I think it shows how far we've come. Title's over, mate. <laughs> You're all frauds. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, just a lovely haired fraud. Last time, I remember, I think last year went to Southampton, lost 1-0 in a turgid game. Like, So uh, honestly, the progress is still there. Um, it is disappointing because you think of the chances that we had we definitely should have we definitely should have put it away Gabby Jesus five games without a goal he had at least two chances to really put this game away so it is disappointing yeah. from that aspect but then then I have to kind of temper it and say a 1-1 draw away from home 
still top of the league by two points is is literally nothing to worry about. Considering no, you know, the target is top four. Everything else is noise. Until you've got top four, you don't need to think about anything. No, nah, exactly. So I'm not overly worried. I'm not overly worried by the performance. It was a bit leggy in the second half, but I think that is a consequence of the schedule. And I think all of the teams played this weekend are finally showing signs of being affected by the schedule. You know, I mean, look. Do you think that Arsenal are getting burnt out already? Because it was a really tired performance, I thought. Bright in the first half, but it's always the same lineup in the Europa League, pretty much, and in the Premier League. And like, if you look at it, I think Arsenal have the most settled lineup of any team in the top flight. And it makes sense why you've got so many points, but it also makes sense why you may now drop a load of points because you haven't rotated very well. And there isn't there isn't really a squad depth to rotate. I mean, you look at Chelsea; they make about five changes every game. Mm-hmm. City have at least four or five nailed on world class players to bring on, and Arsenal have Eddie Nketiah basically. No, twelfth sort of man. No, well, there's Zinchenko, Tierney, Tierney. Those are like the. I mean, there's there's not loads though, especially it's not in, loads. in the front three. It's not loads. It's Emil Smith Rowe when he's back is the Fabio Vieira. He's a good little sub to bring on as well. The Conga's not bad. I'm not saying we've got the deepest squads, and I do think the lack of rotation is going to play a massive part. But then we've also got to think let's say we lose all of our games to World Cups, only three games. We're still going to be in the top four. So I'm not too too worried. And I think on this performance on another day, we would have won. Had it been a performance against like Leeds again, then yeah, okay, worrying, you know. But I actually think we were just really unlucky in this game, and Southampton tweaked it in the second half to, to bring it back. Um, yeah, I mean, the Southampton goal was absolutely lovely. Mm. Their one rare moment of true flowing football was cut through you. But yeah, apart from that, Arsenal just didn't take their chances. And yeah, do you think Gary Jesus is becoming a bit of an issue? Nah, no. it will come. Five games without a goal. It's like Rashford, do you know what I mean? Like It's all there, it will come. How many goals does he have this season? I think he's got six. In the Prem. I think he's got in five in the Prem. So what, five and 11 games? But he's also got like five assists, so you can't really... It's not bad, yeah. Can't really bad. argue with his output. Um, also, the referee had a really weird game. Like uh, He booked Saka really early for simulation when it was like an absolute foul. <laughs> Just like, what is going on? And then there was, as you've noted, the penalty. Well, that wasn't a penalty where I've seen it given. He had two arms around him. You've got to be very lucky to be doing that in the box. Well, this is what I thought. I thought any grappling is a penalty these days. So it's very The referee was adamant he wasn't going to give a penalty in that game. But yeah. you can't really do, do that if the, there was a penalty uh, claim that was quite valid. The referees are against Arsenal bias, which has now swung to the referees are for Arsenal. It means referees now feel like they can't give Arsenal any more stuff because they've, they've had Maybe. a few lucky decisions. I mean, this referee... Trying to swing it back. To give a yellow card I mean, to Saka in like the twentieth minute for when there was clear contact from two players, it just smacks of yeah. like you're trying to set a precedent that doesn't need to be set. But then, otherwise, this is this is the problem: is that every game there's a penalty now. Yeah, every it feels like every yeah. single game. And so, but then also like they've gone too far. Would you? Would you? I mean, there was a push on Ben White where he just ran into the back of him, and I was like, surely that's a pen. Thought any contact in the box is a pen these days. Would you? Would you have disagreed had Gabby Jesus's claim been a penalty though? I would have been unsurprised. I think it was pen. You got two arms around, wrapped around an attacker player going for the ball. That that yeah, is a complete pen. Yeah, but I just pen. I don't. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see every. I know, but then you know again, you know, it's back to my but philosophy, mate. We're blaming the ref when you know why has that guy got two arms around him anyway? Yeah, of course, but I just think otherwise it's going to be a penalty every game. 
and maybe there will be. It feels like there is already, but it's just like this just maybe there's been a word like grappling is actually okay to a point. Mm, yeah, I mean it's, it's I point, but then you know like it all needs to be clarified. But all in all, disappointing result. But you know we could have lost to be perfectly honest, and the way it was going in the second half. So a word on Greg Jacker. I thought that was a ridiculously good finish. Seen those balloon up nine times out of ten and go for a try or not try <laughs> conversion. So I just think he's just in supreme form. It turns out he's literally. I've never when seen. When are people play gonna? Like this. What do you mean? You've been playing it for years. When when are people gonna <laughs> put some respect on his name and just accept that he is an elite midfielder? Where whatever they whatever they used to think about him was. When are people gonna admit it? Honestly, I'd love to see his stats compared to to Liverpool's midfield. You know, we can talk about Harvey Elliott being nice all you want. What's he done, Harvey Elliott? Is it in the stats? It's oh. not in the stats, is it? So therefore, Granit Xhaka is more effective than Harvey Elliott. Obviously, look at Fabinho. I mean, that's. I reckon he's fair. better than Fabinho. That's very reasonable. I think Fabinho is probably behind TP5. Yeah, I know Fabinho is more like party. I'm just getting really excited because we're talking about Xhaka, and <laughs> I, know you, I know you can't deny it anymore because it's all there in the stats. <laughs> Facts, facts, it's right there, facts. Mate. facts. <laughs> Granite facts. Five goals, five assists. Hasn't facts. even been sent off yet. So I don't know what anyone else is expecting from Granite Xhaka. We have finally he found his final form. Yet. I know. Has he even been booked? I'm sure he's been booked. Oh, he's definitely, he's definitely been, booked, been booked. I remember some cynical, cynical professional fouls. But yeah, he's good. He's a good box to box midfielder. Three goals, three assists. I mean. Facts. Facts. For his kind of player, yeah, I want to say I'm, I'm in love with that man, and he loves it. We all love it. It's just disappointing that we couldn't win it for him yesterday. But yeah, it's a tale of two halves, and let's just leave it there before I just carry on ranting about granite. So, yeah. Everton free, Palace nil. What a win for Everton, eh? Huge, absolutely huge. I, I feel like you went into this and you were like, Everton, they're a bit patchy. Crystal Palace play good football, so yeah, hard to say who'll win. But mate, there was no contest. Everton absolutely wiped the floor with Crystal From Palace. From first like, minute, their pressing was relentless. Mm-hmm. Um, they won the ball back. DCL won the ball back um, after some really good work, and then just did an amazing turn and finished it. And it's just like that's DCL. Okay, Everton have serious cutting edge again now. DCL's back, and it's gonna be interesting to see how that develops over the next few games because maybe he's gonna be the catalyst to push them up the table. But yeah, yeah, I think so. Everton were just really good. Like after they got that goal, they just sat back, like looked to counter. They look so good now. They've got Cody and Tarkovsky. They like, play mature now, don't they? Basically, they? yeah. Like they they legit got one of the best back lines in the league, which is actually ridiculous. Like they didn't really cost any money to build this this unit. Tarkovsky was a free transfer, and Cody was alone. Like what the fuck? Mm, mm, no, I'm I'm. Honestly, it's really weird seeing an Everton team play like that. As I say, a very mature game. Um, no stupid mistakes this time, like against United. Uh, and yeah, on the front foot, just looking aggressive. I mean, dare I say it? Is this, is this what Frankie wants from his team? Because if it is, I'm here for it. You know, this is who would have thought it, this mate? Is the kind Frank of, Lampard. Yeah, he's the best midfield manager. The thing is, Gerrard's gone. He's just absolutely wiped the floor with Patty V. Arteta, okay, Arteta's the best one. But in terms of the ones <sighs> with sort of similar budgets, 
Lampard's won the battle. I think so. so I think so. Which no one expected. He's, Everyone thought he was the worst. He's put the Gerard Lampard debate to bed for good. So that's Scott Parker's that's fully gone. Yeah. He's gone. He, Lampard is the GOAT. He's won. The thing is, I'm going to say it with trepidation because last time he praised Lampard, he then went and lost three in a row. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I feel with Everton, they are going to take some L's. But as long as last season, they didn't have a performance like this, really. They didn't have a 3 0 performance where they dominated against a team that was on really, you know, even even um, even keel with them. So, yeah, I, no, I, I feel like it's a big step forward. Either. And as you say, the squad is noticeably better now, and you can see it's way more balanced. So, all the all the acquisitions they've made in the summer have been really good signings. I think so. And it makes such a difference because what a change from the past where Everton would buy these players and the fans would get excited, then they're all just terrible. Mm or injury prone or not suited or they buy four attacking midfielders in the same window like there's a coherent plan they bought centre backs because they can see those goals and now they don't they bought a striker who scores goals in Mope and now they have DCL and Mope so it's just like they bought a few wingers and midfield- oh it's just it's so much better it's just so much better I don't know who's in charge of transfers now but they've got it right now finally they've got the right person in charge they have got it right they've got it right and I'm glad that they backed Frankie because a lot of people didn't think he was the right man for the job and nah. I'm glad that he's proven them wrong to be honest I actually really like Lampard to be honest I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick my hand out there and say I, I like Lampard I think he's a good lad I think he's honest I think he's quite he's quite smart he's quite switched on he says the right things and I think he gets a lot of unwarranted stick from rival fans does. would you say that Lampard and Mason Mount suffer from the same thing which is being Chelsea favourites and people just don't like it. I think so. Like, do you remember the whole when he was at Chelsea and it was all going wrong there was the really mean fat Frankie memes and it yeah. just seemed to get uh, like his Chelsea reign is looked at as a bad tenure but if you look at the kind of nuances behind that you know the transfer ban um, the homegrown players that he established in the first team he set the groundwork. He set all the groundwork for, for what's success. happening now. And I don't think people speak about he's, that enough. He's to thank for the whole model that Chelsea have the best academy. He's to thank for Mason Mount coming through. And Rhys James. Uh, Maury coming through. Chalobah, Rhys James. Yeah, Gordon. yeah, yeah. You know, he, he built that. He, he made that core. Because I think Kai Havertz came under him. Fair enough, he didn't get the best out of him. I don't think any manager has at Chelsea yet. But, you know, the core Chelsea team that plays now is, is kind of built by Lampard. So, yeah. I don't know. Put some respect on Frankie's name. But anyway, sick of Everton. Let's go across to the other side of Merseyside because... Whoa, 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 whoa. Word on Palace. Before oh, we... I see. Are you I'm delaying, delaying the, inevitable. the inevitable here. But what do you think about Palace? Because I feel like they're actually in a lot of trouble, but no one has kind of realised because they've got a nice team full of exciting attackers. But it's all good having exciting attackers, but they didn't score a goal and they lost comprehensively to Everton, who seemed a much better rounded team. So... I don't know. Football they're a weird really team. Badly, defended badly. They, and they'll be fine. Yeah. I know they're only four points off the bottom, but they'll be fine because, as you say, they have that. You that so? Yeah, they'll be fine. I think with, with Palace is they could they could win or lose to any team in the league on any given day. Like, oh, that's such a Michael Owen statement. Let me try and actually make that a bit better. <laughs> if you don't score goals, you don't win matches. <laughs> yeah, cheers, cheers, Michael. Nice one. <laughs> no, in the sense that. Palace could cause problems for any side in the league, whereas Bournemouth necessarily couldn't. Do you know what I mean? Bournemouth could set up in a stodgy system. They could frustrate their opponents. They could maybe get a set piece. They could, uh, you know, they could play some good play too. I'm not limiting them to that. But I think with Palace, there's so many intangibles in that squad that could cause problems. 
it can go really wrong, like against Everton, or it can go really right. Um, and I think they've been Sorry. quite unlucky this season, you know, especially at the beginning of the season. There were definitely three or four games at, at Selhurst Park that they should have won. But yeah, looking at their position in the table and the points they've accrued over 11 games, only 13. It's not a lot. I actually expected more wins no. than three wins out of 11 for Palace, but exactly. I just think there are worse teams. Yeah. But there, there is, I mean, compared to Palace were like the the oldest, the most stodgy, arguably the most Brexit team after Burnley when Patty V took over and they had so many players out of contract and you thought they'd do. Yeah, exactly. So to be where they are now, where it's actually exciting and the football's good and the manager's got good ideas, I think it's fair enough. But maybe pressure's mounting on Patty V just a little bit for the first time of his reign. Yeah, I know what you mean. There hasn't been enough questions after Patty V to warrant mm. where they are on the table do you know what I mean it's funny that isn't it he's got way less stick than um, Lampard has but he's been there a bit longer and Everton have come further has he been there arguably. no pa- Patrick Vieira's only been there since the summer though no he's, he's been there since last summer no he? he's been there over a year oh my god yeah so he's been there longer than Lampard what the fuck Everton was he there all, all last season yeah mate I that is shocking to me. So oh. it's just funny, mate. Um, some players, some some people get an easier ride than others, and Lampard does get a bit of a harsh harsh one in comparison to Vieira. Oh, that is crazy. I didn't. How, where did they come last year then? No, mate. I'm gonna say fifteenth, fourteenth. Yeah, that sounds about I don't right. Know. That's so mental. I literally thought he came in the summer. I like feel like I've lost a year of my life now because I don't remember Patty V's Vieira. Pat, oh, I can't even talk. Let's just move on. I'm freaked out. I'm, I'm spooked. I'm spooked. <laughs> I'm spooked. Right. Yes, on to, on to the red half of Merseyside. Mm. Nottingham Forest 1, Liverpool 0. Mm. I always do a hmm, I've realised for Liverpool games because that's how I feel. I just feel meh. Mm. This, is, this is very bad. This is very, very bad because... Yet again, going into this game, you felt like there was one easy game and it was Forest. They were in a mess. They didn't know who their starting eleven was. They didn't know what tactics they were going to do. And after two very nice, very hard-fought 1-0 wins for Liverpool, they've now lost 1-0 to a team that was supposed to be in a bigger crisis than them, but apparently not. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just so frustrating, isn't it? You have such a good performance against City. Um and then you just throw it all away. Just throw it all away. I know. It's really frustrating to watch. And I just don't think you even deserved it, to be honest. You know? I think on another day, we would have won comfortably. I mean, I think Van Dyke had three. Yeah, the set pieces, three to be big fair. big chances to himself. Yeah. Um, I mean, one first half header where he had a, just a free header on goal and he tries to square it to Firmino, which is ridiculous. Um, Gomez had a really bad game lost lost the ball a lot mm. failed to track players regularly just during the fluctuations between last weekend with City where he was like 10 out of 10 man of the match and this one where he's like 4 out of 10 it's just disturbing how much players can fluctuate form week to week the schedule's not helping I think we have to caveat this loss Darwin was out Thiago was out I'm sure there was someone else that was out as well yeah, Jota's out, Diaz is Diaz. out. I mean, Canate's out, Matip's out. Doesn't help. Trent's just coming Doesn't back. help, does they, it? We have been decimated by injuries this season, but. You just got to think, though. I mean, the, I, squad planning from FSG is just not there. This yeah. Arthur Mello on loan, deadline day, now he's out to. It's just it's just nonsense, isn't it? 
if they were serious yeah. about really planning for the squad and making sure Klopp had, you know, they would have, they would have rectified that way early in the summer. Um, and I think, oh, I don't know, I feel like the season's almost consequence of them just not investing as much as they need to into Liverpool to keep Liverpool on their perch. Yeah, it's been over a few summers though, I think, over a few windows. Mm, you've got um, complacent haven't from quite the done enough. Because I mean, I don't know if you remember, but actually the noise around last summer where we got Canate and Thiago was that this team is probably at the end of the cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we need a lot more. And then we went on this ridiculous season where we played all the games. But now, inevitably, the drop-off is bigger. But I think last season was like a phenomenon. It wasn't really supposed to happen. The team was already on a decline because mm. the prior season had been pretty bad. That's the one where we just scraped fourth the COVID year. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you're going to have think, another season like that now. You know what I mean? Yeah, realistically. I think there's just a, a much bigger refresh that's actually required it's just a lot of players in their 30s now that are just getting slightly worse together yeah and I feel like mentally they're probably just fatigued last year would have taken its toll I don't care what anyone says that would take out of me if I was that close to to like a glory never seen and for them like to have the two best things ripped away from it it was so cruel you know everything about last season was cruel to Liverpool Um, but it's worrying man it's worrying Every game, the drop off is bad. Every game they could lose at the moment. It feels like it could go either way. Yeah, we just haven't had a chance to actually play a first eleven that we want this season, unfortunately. And the injuries have been bad, but the problems are deeper than that. But I do think it's quite hard where every every week is a different lineup. I mean, we have Curtis Jones with his first start of the season, and Elliot with Fabinho as a midfield. I don't think they've ever played. It's just not ideal, is it? And then you've got like, yeah, it's just a bit messy. Yeah, I mean, put it this way: if you had sort of half the team injured, most teams would struggle. But that is our lot, and we need to be better. Um, Forest played well, to be fair to them. They defended relatively well, apart from set pieces. Um, They had a threat on the break; could have got a few more goals, realistically. Um, But yeah, a famous victory for Forest, and I wonder if this will kickstart their season now and get them now off the foot of the table because it feels like everyone. I know they're not on the foot of the table, but Leicester feels inevitable. It just feels like you can't pick who's going No, down. I would hate to bet on it. My 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 candidates have changed. In the first 10 games, they have changed to like seven teams. I think Southampton's still you... in danger. Bournemouth were one of them. I think I said Leicester. Now I feel like Leicester on the ascendancy and there's teams in worse, in worse form than them. This is what I mean. A couple wins on the bounce when you're at the bottom of the table and it's that tight. We're talking six points between ninth and 20th place. There's 11 teams with six points gap or less. That's insane. One win is just going to completely change the whole format of the bottom. It's going to come down to yeah, singular points, realistically. Mm. There's no real so weak link. Draw. There are weak links now in the league, but there's no like, there's no like fodder. The previous seasons no. we had like Sheffield United, who was shite in that second season. Norwich perennial fodder. Fulham were fodder, and now they're all putting up a fight. No, no, no. It's all competitive. It's, it's yeah. exciting. It's good for the league. But not ideal when you're having a bad a bad season. No. You need some fodder, mate, to get to get your confidence. Um, and when he with the winning goal, course, classic had to be classic. him. You know, um, he was very nice to Liverpool. Didn't celebrate. Don't think he needed to go that far, but I appreciate it. And he was very nice in his post match interview, saying, "You know, Liverpool brought him from Nigeria when he didn't. No one knew him and gave him a career. So he is grateful for that. That's He's a nice. player that I think." 
Jürgen Klopp always really likes, but we could not get a work permit for him to save his life, which is why we had to keep farming him out um, before eventually selling him. Eventually, but what can you do? It's just good to see him back. Mm. Good to see him back. Um, and I always felt like he should have been playing more games for Forest rather than just getting carried away with all these other players. I feel like he's he had a really good season for Union Berlin last season in their ascendancy up the table to the Europa League. He got like, 15 goals in the top flight. So yeah. Just just stick with him for a bit. He's good. Just stick, boys. Stick. I think they will stick now. Yeah. 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 Liverpool, only three points ahead of Everton. Fuck my life. But only four points behind Man U. It's... Honestly, you just need to get some wins on the bounce. You, if you win the next three games between now and the World Cup break, then you're probably right in the mix for top four. You know, it is just about yeah. consistency. Um, yeah, you win some, you lose some, my friend. Let's move on to the last one. West. Yeah, I think the only the only boring game, I'd say, of all of them. I thought this one was a little flat. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. West Ham 2, Bournemouth 0. No worries. I'll be honest, I didn't watch this yesterday, so Jack, you're going to have to take it away and talk to me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, I'll come to you for any, uh, any uh, specific... <laughs> if you need any uh, analysis, don't come to me. Just Google it quickly, because I ain't got a clue. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, don't worry, mate. I'll bring you in just to just to see what, see how you deliver on the spot. I won't tell you what the topic is. Nice, okay. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, big game for both teams. I think they both needed the points. Bournemouth came in to this with much better form, and West Ham came into it with much worse luck. But it settled into a very predictable structure West Ham dominated possession and chances and Bournemouth looked to hit on the counter and yeah from there it was pretty straightforward for West Ham they got the breakthrough from a corner it was a very interesting handball in the build up what did you think about the handball you know it was definitely a handball (laughs) (laughs) I have read about it so it was Philo Kerra is that right there was a controversial what what looks like apparently definitely was a handball that wasn't given so basically the corner comes in and it kind of hits him like this you know like in volleyball where you you hold your hands together and you pump it from the bottom right he basically did that accidentally and then the ball looped up and then Zuma ended up well that shouldn't be a goal no but it was a goal is what you're saying but it was a goal Uh, it went went to to VAR and to TV and it was how 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 because that makes no sense because then every Gabrielle's fucking handball against Liverpool Arsenal sorry I'm trying to give you context guys that's, that's, that should have been a penalty then do you not think Stonewall mate fall at the time though they're just oh the inconsistency's mad I thought this was like a, a guaranteed if it touches a hand and goes to a goal that it's just not a goal I thought that was like by the letter of the law yep me too Bruh, but no apparently not and then crazy. there was a there was a West Ham this is where I think West Ham's fortunes are changing maybe yeah two very lucky decisions after a lot of bad luck maybe the referees have had a word and said, okay, we need to give West Ham a go. We need to stop giving Arsenal decisions. We need to move that to West Ham for a few weeks. Otherwise, people are going to catch on to us. But London getting all the luck this season. Yeah, that's wild. That's what I mean, West Ham would do some good good fortune. It's just a shame it's coming from the refs. That's quite obviously coming yeah. from the refs. Like They must have seen the handball and decided that it didn't impact play. But then if some, oh, I don't know, I don't have to watch the game now. I don't understand yeah, that well, at then, all, bro. West Ham then scored in the second half, um, 90th minute with a penalty. Another very contentious... I mean, this was handball, but basically, I'll paint the picture. So, one of the West Ham players is on the, the right, just outside the box, and he goes to cross it. Mm. He's literally at the byline, he goes across it, and the ball defender goes diving in, and it hits his arm. 
as he slides it, his arms are. Very How far away was he from from the kicker? Like, like, well, I don't know, less than a meter. It was really close. Wow! <laughs> and then that was given as a penalty. You just think like it doesn't deserve a penalty because you can't dive in like a pencil. That's more dangerous, I'd say. More likely to like two foot someone if you just dive in like a pencil. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's oh, you know, if you had one of those decisions go against you, but to have two in one game, I can understand why Gary O'Neill was so angry in the press because that's two decisions potentially that would be marred by controversy. You know, two goals, sorry, where yeah. he, he, they could have got a could point have, had they ruled easily. differently, right? So there wasn't a lot beyond that, really. They were the two main points of the whole game. Wow, so, that is a fucking joke. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I really am hating the VAR. I'm just hating like all. The, all the penalties in the box and uh, yeah the penalties uh, thing is a joke there's a penalty stop. every game yeah, it's got it to like. stop or every three games um, there used to be a novelty now it's just just whoever's a penalty taker just get them in your fantasy football team yeah. they're going to get a goal every other game yeah yeah I mean yeah I don't mean anything there's so many penalties every week where VAR's probably exacerbated the issue not improved it which is surprising I almost feel like when you watch it on a slow-mo it takes out it just changes it like seeing it, it takes away context, repetitively it? like on slow motion from different angles almost changes actually how it plays out in my head like I don't know I don't know yeah. I don't know I don't <laughs> oh, I, I don't, don't know. know how one isn't given and one is in this game it's just an yeah. experiment in controversy but yeah Bournemouth two losses on the bounce now after their unbeaten run is this the yeah the mean now for them yeah. are they going to start sliding back to the relegation zone tell you what though Maybe. if they lose the next three games and go into the World Cup I still think they'd be happy with their points total and they've got two months to figure yeah, it out yeah they would but you don't want to be in that scenario they are still light on goals but they are pretty solid defensively I mean controversial you know opening goal from a set piece and then a penalty it's very good going still from Bournemouth they are a good team. Yeah, they're a good Just team. Hard to beat under Gary O'Neill as well. Yeah, so fair enough. Two nils a fair result. It's just a shame that it plays out as it does. Um, it takes some of the exactly. takes some of the joy out of it. But there you go. It is what it is. Jack, we've done so well today. Can I just say? I think we've hit this bang on one hour thirty minutes exactly for all the games. Yes. So ten games, one hour and a half. What more can you ask for? We are Listen we up. are punctual. We banged it. So. Thank you for listening, everyone. As always, Jack, I wish you a good week. Unless there's any other areas of business you want to speak about? No, mate. Short and sweet. Well, not short and sweet. Long and sweet <laughs> for this one. But we are, we are getting there. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, and we will see you on Thursday or Friday for the midweek European edition. That is right. Yes. We will see you then. Until then, have a good time. Have a good time. Have a good week. <laughs>